to Laughing Labia, a podcast featuring female comedians. Uh, this month we have a slightly different format to usual. We don't have our extracts from the live show, but we have a conversation. So the conversation this month is with Maureen Younger. She's a really fantastic woman and a very funny comedian. So we go right there now. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to our special episode of Laughing Labia. We are here today at My Comedy with Maureen Younger. Hello. Hello, hello. So, yeah, you tell us more about you. You basically run an all-female night in London at Retro Bar. Yes, that's right, and also one in Birmingham. Uh, I basically took over as an MC ages ago when the resident MC, I think it was in 2009, when the resident MC didn't turn, wasn't going to turn up. This so is Retro this, No, this was, this was in the bathhouse, which is, uh-huh. was demolished for... Um, a bathhouse? It was called a pub called The Bathhouse, which is a really nice pub. And it was demolished for Crossrail. But the, they asked me to MC it, so I MC'd it. And it was one of those interesting, it was just one of those nights which was hilarious. I MC'd it. The opening act, there was very few people in, there was about nine in the audience. The opening act was used to interact with people, so she did 10 minutes instead of 20. So I didn't, I ended up doing some, the opening as well. And then the, the headline act didn't turn up, so I had to headline. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a, a one-woman show. But luckily, luckily I was funny, but luckily I'd just written a load of stuff for Edinburgh, so I had a lot of material to hand. Because okay. otherwise it would have been really like... But it was really weird. It was just one of those nights, you know, when it just everything works. It doesn't always happen, folks. <laughs> but it was just one of those nights, and it was, it was really funny. And then the woman who was running it didn't want to run it anymore, and she went, they were going to stop it. And I went, well, I'll run it. So we built it up to really nice... We used to get, like, 90 people in a month. Oh, wow. And then they got rid of the bathhouse. And, and when was this? How long ago, did you say? God, that started in 2009. Okay. So we were there for a couple of years. And then we had a bit of a meander around, because it's very hard. You know this. It's hard to find a really good venue yeah. in central London. And then we've got the Retro Bar, which is perfect, because it's a nice bar. The staff are lovely. It's right in the centre of London. And it gives <coughs> the lesbians a comedy <laughs> show, which is always yeah. nice. We do have a predominantly gay audience, that is yeah. true. But I think, you know, you run that as well. If you run an all-female comedy night, it tends to attract a gay audience, I think. Yeah. Female yeah. and male. Do you get men coming to yours? or We do. We do get... Uh, because it's in a... We are now at Cuba. So right. it's a oh, okay. gay boys bar, yeah. basically. So we have yeah. the odd gay men. <laughs> but actually, we get we do get a, a mixed audience, much more in Cuba than in she... I think also with... Uh, cause we, she when we she bar, it, you probably got predominantly gay women, did you? Gay yeah. women, but also she bar, I think, even if someone saw the show and was interested, I think because she bar had a sort of, you can only come in as a male if you're with um, another okay. woman. Okay, yeah, that makes it di- so more difficult. So it's more off-putting. Or it's just, it's maybe that extra thing that maybe would stop someone going... Oh, yeah, or it's not for me, or they think it's not for them. Yeah, That's certainly I've had is. some workmates come along. We're definitely getting more, I think, straight men as well. It's not just gay yeah. men, yeah. I think. It's yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, like in Birmingham, it was predominantly gay women. when I Because I started the Birmingham night. Um, predominantly because I got I did a big club and they told me I was rubbish and I thought rah, 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 rah. so I went and did this one off I don't know why that was going to make any difference to my to them or to me but I started and it was a sellout so I was like oh I'll keep doing this again that was in 2009 I'm still doing it but it used to be predominantly gay women older gay women in yeah. fact and now it's it's complete mixture oh wow amazing so you said that you you basically had a bad gig and it made you say actually I'm going to start this can you talk a bit more about yeah. that because I think this was a bit of your motivation was that your well not so much having a bad gig but the feeling of that women aren't represented very much so when when there's one where a woman doesn't go down so well it's it then makes people think oh women aren't funny yeah I mean I have to say it's changed so in 2009 the situation was very different I think it's that is changing now but like, I had a gig, and I, the guy, the feedback, I thought I'd done well. The feedback was like, eh, basically not interested. And I don't know why I thought this would 
be some kind of revenge. It wasn't revenge, but right, I'm going to put on this night in Birmingham because I'd done this gig at, in Birmingham. It was a very nice venue. And I was just happened to be lucky because I hadn't really done any research, but a lot of gay women live in that area, which I didn't know. That was pure fluke. Mm. And I got Barbara Nice on, who's amazing. Oh, she's brilliant. Yeah. And because um, she was local, so I thought, well, you know, if it goes tits up, she only, it's only down the road, so it's not that bad a big a deal. And I think Kathy P was on, and I can't remember who else was on. Probably, maybe Julie Jepson. And we sold out. And because we sold out, I thought, oh, I better do this again then. Right. So it's been running ever since. But I think wow. um, originally it was called Laughing Cows, and Laughing Cows was set up by Hazel O'Keefe. And her, her reason for that was that she'd said to promote her wine. Why would you never have an all-woman bill? Yeah. Or more than one woman on the bill? And they went, oh, we could never take that risk. <laughs> and so she was so annoyed by that that she started up Laughing Cows and, 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 and I think that's still going in Manchester. But I think it's changed now. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, when I first started, you would never gig with another woman on the bill. That would never happen at a mainstream club. Whereas now it's changed. Do you that think? Because a lot of yeah. times you see in a lot of clubs, bigger clubs, there are... If so, one woman. Like the comedy store, Oi Oi Comedy Club, they're they're still just featuring one woman. Oh, I don't know. I I have I have gigged in bigger clubs where you, you're on with another woman, and even like with another like a, a black act or an Asian act, because even that was yeah, unheard of. Because mm. you know, um, there was a famous uh, I won't say who it was, a very famous uh, uh, BME. Uh, comedian who said, "Why am I never on with a woman?" And apparently, they turned around and said to him, "Well, we, we wouldn't have more than one speciality act on the bill." What? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I have you know. So, even me being on with a black comic is actually yeah. progress. Yeah. So, I think yeah. I, so, I, I think you're you're probably right that things have obviously improved because you've seen it yeah. from, from one point in time to another. But I think for me coming in as an outsider, so I yeah. do comedy, but. And, like, of course, there's imbalance in all things. I'm a musician, it's there too. But I think for me, it made me very cross because, obviously, I met Alice and yeah. then started to see all the posters. And I think Alice is right. It's still not balanced. It makes me yeah. very cross. And I, th- I mean, I think it's across the board. So, you know, it's, but it reflects society. So I think if I was 20 years younger, yeah. I'd get a different response than I do as a middle-aged yeah. woman. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you ask, because I do, a, I mean, I'm a white, straight woman, so it's kind of weird that I do a lot of mm. gay gigs, I do a lot of lesbian. In fact, I've probably performed in front of lesbians more than any other audience. <laughs> You're the lesbian role model. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was nominated, thank you very much. But, you know, actually, I probably feel more comfortable in front of a lesbian audience, which is weird, because I, I know lesbian comics who don't feel comfortable in front yeah. of a lesbian audience. But, um, but I also do a lot of black gigs, and uh, I think one of the reasons I do a lot of black gigs is that they don't really give a toss that I'm a woman, that I'm white, that I'm middle-aged. Mm-hmm. As long as I can make their audience laugh, they'll book me. Yeah. And it is kind of, it's kind of um, not interesting, but you are surprised at how people's preconceptions of what, they sh- what people want, or what they think they should have. Um, and so people will make these judgments about you, so you won't get booked. So I wasn't getting booked for big clubs. And I remember somebody was trying to get me in at one of the clubs, and they were like, well, I don't think Maureen would be confident enough. But I was performing to 1,800 people. Wow. I was only mm. at Black History Month gigs. Oh, wow. You know, uh, where, you know, people walking on thinking about... I was walking on people thinking, why does management come on stage? So <laughs> it's... Do you know what I mean? So it's... But it's their preconceptions. Yeah. So I think... But, but when people... I don't know why people get surprised that comedy reflects the kind of prejudices of the society that's around us. I mean, it's not surprising as it's, such, it's but just, I think it's very visual with because you have the posters with the people yeah. on, which I think in music it's the same, but because you don't necessarily have the same sort of people, like the faces, but I, and I, I think it doesn't scream so much. Yeah, but I think what, what also isn't, I mean, you must have had this, every, every female comic's had this, like you've had a great gig, 
someone comes up to you and it's always a woman who goes, oh, I don't normally like female comics, <laughs> but you're, yeah. you're really funny. And as if that's a compliment. Yeah, and then yeah. you go, also, oh, who, who, who haven't you seen? Who, which female comics don't you like? Yeah. And generally they can't name them. Yeah. But that's like internalised misogyny. Yeah. They believe... They don't have nothing really experienced told it. by what they see. Yeah, they believe that a woman won't be funny. Mm. Um, and you, you're right. You have that thing that if you know, if a, if you if, say I'm not funny one night, then everybody thinks, oh, that's all female yeah. comics. Mm-hmm. But if you see a bloke not be funny, nobody goes, well, blokes they can't do comedy. It's that kind of thing where you you kind of and also as a female comic when you get into bigger clubs, you probably notice this. Not only do you have to be good, but you have to rip it. Yeah. Mm. Whereas a male comic will give be given more rope to um, hang himself. So if a bloke does okay, it will be assumed that he's like, you know, he's probably, probably do better, he's just an okay gig. If a woman does okay, it's like, oh, she's just an okay comic. Yeah. Mm. And so there's that added pressure on female yeah. comics yeah. that you not only have to do well, but you have to absolutely rip it. Yeah, I think that's true across the board, actually, yeah. in science, in music, yeah. everything. You have to be exceptional to break through, right? Yeah, to, to just, to, it's not to, a level playing field. No, absolutely not. What was the reason that you kept it as a fem- all-female lineup? Because you could basically say, well, we just do a 50-50 bill or something. Uh, because I think for, for years it was unusual to have more than one woman on the bill. I, I would say now that's probably not so true. But what I do find is that there's a, even though the, it's changed for comics, I think for an audience, like for a, particularly for a, uh, a gay... Not all gay women want to come to a... A, you know, all-female comedy night. But I think for a lot of gay women, they actually like that. It's a kind of... I suppose... Well, you would know better than me. I think it's 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 a safety thing. Because, you know, if you go to a, a, like a mainstream comedy night, I mean, it's not so much the case now, but there was a time when it was fashionable for men to be misogynist, male comics and female comics to be misogynist. And... Um, you know, or to get picked on. And, and you know, here it's, it's a safe space. Like, no, one's, no one cares... You know, I think if you yeah. saw a lot of older gay women, like a group of older gay women at a comedy night, so in the front of a comedy night, the chances are they would get picked on, or get picked on here. But in a, in a nice way, not in a way that might make them feel uncomfortable. I mean, I don't know, you're gay women, so no, what would you say? I agree, but I actually think it extends to all women, right? Not, no woman wants to sit in a misogynistic comedy But thing, you'd be surprised, they... because the difference, I would say, between, say, racism and misogyny... If a comic was openly racist, black people wouldn't laugh at that. And I think a lot of non-black people wouldn't laugh either. They'd feel uncomfortable. I've seen it where comics do what is inherently misogynist material and women will laugh. Yeah. And I think women laugh because we've been told that we don't want to put our head mm. over the parapet. Yeah. So you laugh so you don't get picked on. Well, and half the time people don't realise it's... Because misogyny is so ingrained, mm. they don't actually realise it's misogyny. Yeah. But I guess that's even... Even what well, I guess what maybe I'm guessing at is why these all female comedy nights are so important in hmm. general for all women because it's showing all women there is comedy that is not misogynistic and it yeah. is from women and it and is then sometimes you get new comics you've probably had this at your gigs where they do material which is is actually misogynist or and it just doesn't it won't work in fact I can assure you it won't work in a room full of middle aged lesbians as a general you know it just won't and they because but they don't realise. Yeah, they have got no idea that what they're saying is actually. Mm. I think the thing is also what what happens, for example, backstage because I performed in a bigger comedy club, a normal mm. club night, and I was wearing a dress. And the comic, there were two TV comics even mm. like it was wow and amazing. So I had the newcomer slot there, and I, before I went on stage, he looked at me and he said, "Well, do you really want to perform in a dress?" Because no. You, yes. Because you like, basically why is it out there. <laughs> because he said to me, "I will uh, lose the 
the, the, the women in the audience because That's they will hate me because they think their boyfriends would like me. Then I said to him, well, I'm a lesbian, so, you know, I don't like men anyway. So uh, suddenly we had these weird discussions, like five minutes That's before I went on stage. And I came on stage and my timing was totally off. I didn't do well. And I'm just like, it was stupid to even get myself in touch. No, that's absolute. That's absolute. But bull. I thought that everyone hates me in the audience. No, that's just like, well, oh, he shouldn't shit. have done that. That's absolute yeah. bull. Because I, when I started comedy, I was probably the only woman that wore a dress. Because I'm always, as you know, I'm always mm -hmm. in dresses. I don't, don't tend to wear jeans. And at the time, I think almost every female comic was in jeans and T-shirt. I wear a dress. I mean, perhaps because I'm an older woman, so people don't see me as a sexual threat. But, you know, you've you, you got to be what you are. And I think, that's, I think that is true, that if you are a very attractive young woman, you have to get the women on side. It's not yes. something I have to worry about but <laughs> as a middle-aged woman. But it's, I think that is probably true. Um, that says something about how women are brought up and how we're made to feel about each other. So I would say that, you know, I, do, I have seen young girls, you know, young, young women, you know, and they're in shorts and little tops and stuff like that and you're thinking you are actually I think in a sense you are making that hard for yourself mm. um, you sh that shouldn't be the case but I think that is the practicality yeah. of it all yeah yeah I can I can actually see that which is really sad actually that but, it should be something you have to but think yeah. about but you can and, and there is going, nothing well, look at her in her time yeah and, and then you know if, you, if you're in a you know a skimpy top and shorts and then you're going on about how fat you are and you're yeah. a size 12 mm. then every woman that's older than you and who weighs more than you is just going Really? And so that, that unfortunately, yeah. I think that's true. But, I mean, wearing a dress, I mean... Yeah, I think what, uh, in my case, what also happened then... Also, dick. You don't say yeah. that before somebody goes on. Yeah, I think... You I can tell me who it is later. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what, comics you do that... Now, like, bleep, bleep. No, but you know what, comics do that thing, like, um, if, uh, say, somebody was... You were on before me, and then an a, a audience member was, was being horrible to you, then the chances are, I, when I come on, I will, get, I will, I will absolutely lacerate that, that person um, <laughs> and I've had it happen to me and I've done it to other comics you just go oh right you're going to pick on them are you and then you, you kind of have the other, unless you don't like the comic and then you're like yeah great <laughs> you're like give whoa, me yeah. whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I would never be that petty <laughs> I would Schadenfreude is it Schadenfreude yeah yeah, so this is another thing about you. You actually speak fluently German and not just German. You Austrian speak, German. Like, German with an Austrian accent. Yeah. How, how did you end up with that? I, I studied in Austria for six months. <laughs> oh, well, that explains everything. And I, but I did speak a lot. And then I actually, I know... <laughs> I can't see that. Oh, I know, it's very hard to believe. But the thing is, I sh you know, I've got... An, my intonation is still Austrian. Yeah. But when I, when I was there, I, sh I, sh I haven't, didn't record it. My accent was so str a lot stronger than it is now. It was a mixture of Viennese and Upper Austrian, which will be of interest to nobody out there. And it was a really strong, strong accent. I once heard it, and I was like, oh, my God. It was like over the... It was like, and I remember talking to somebody once. This was at the opening of an underwear shop on the Josefstädterstrasse. As you, as, as you, and I talked to him for about 40 minutes, and then I must have said something which was just specifically British. And he went, oh, my God, you're British? And I went, yeah. And he went... Oh, I thought you were from the Vorarlberg or Tyrol, where they speak really strong dialect, and were trying to speak proper German. Oh, so we actually thought I was like... You were some, trying to cover up your weird accent. I was covering up my weird accent, just failing miserably. And how did you end up with that? Was it just an accident? No, or? no, I, I, I think because all my friends were Austrian. I think yeah. what most British people do when they go abroad to study is they spend time with British friends, was all my friends were Austrian. Right. So all I did was just... And when I first went to Austria, I couldn't understand a word. Oh, wow. Because, you know, it's like a... I thought I was next to a load of Swiss people or something. 
I was like, what is this going on? And it was obviously because Austrian dialect's really different. Did you speak German though already? Yeah, oh, I spoke okay. German, German. But you speak not just German, you speak like every language in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, slight exaggeration. All 51 of them. <laughs> All hundreds of them. I did, well, I, did a, I did a degree in German and Russian, and then I went to live in oh, France wow. and Spain. And that now, makes sense. And then I'm learning Scottish Gaelic, which is really difficult. Is it? I bet, well, it's very, um, very old language. It's very right? old. Yeah. It's older than Latin, so... Wow, is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, it's and this... why are you learning? Just My from... family is Scottish, but okay. we're from the East Coast, so we never spoke Gaelic anyway, so yeah. it makes no sense whatsoever. Well, I'll get back to your roots. But and... I, Yeah, but I love, I love Austrian German, so I love, I'm reading, uh, I, love, I read a lot of Austrian literature and film, I watch films and stuff, and I just love Vienna. Because you're from, you're from I'm, Vienna. I'm from Vienna, yes. Yes, because yes, I actually went to see, uh, went all the way for three days to go and watch the premiere of the Alice's movie. film. Yeah, yeah, that was a good it was, surprise. It was, yeah, yeah, it was very, very... You were the most travelled guest, we, I, I, like, Oh, were we? Uh, yeah, and so, we didn't that? get any seats, so we were, like, sitting, we had to keep moving because we hadn't, somehow hadn't managed to get seats. I don't know how we did that, so we had to keep moving. But, yeah, it was, it was a very good film, actually. Uh, you can check it out and you see Alice in some very hot leather outfit <laughs> in bondage <laughs> that's why it went basically <laughs> it was promised it was delivered uh, hanging from the roof yeah. hanging from the roof as you do I wouldn't know but yeah doing movies in Austria but yeah I don't know and I've also gigged in German but I'm funnier than English I mean have you gigged in German? yeah my first three four years how do you find it? it was okay I I I mean, I think the problem was that there is no stand-up comedy in Austria as such. No, it's not really. Now they start to have more and more, but in general, you know... It's more cabaret. It's cabaret. And then I did... I think I was one of the first to really talk to the audience and did more stand-up style instead of playing characters. Mm. And the solo show is an hour and a half, so you have... Yeah. And you need every year another solo show, and you can't test material, so you're just like... Yeah, there's no club... There's no real club thing. Yeah. And I did do gigs somewhere on the countryside where I had three people in the audience and two left and they said to me, and this is no joke, they said their husbands have died and they are oh. not ready for comedy. Oh, oh. Just like, Jesus. <laughs> exactly the right time for comedy, yeah. right? <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Technically we're interviewing you, but I'm just interested now. You said you were one of the first to sort of do this more stand-up thing. Where did you get that from? Was that from watching American or like where did you get the the concept even to bring that to a, a yeah, stand up show? I think I watched Ellen DeGeneres. I I knew her stand up oh, I wonder shows. why. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> she's got a comedy. She's got a, she's blonde hair. <laughs> but she yeah, likes books. That's, that's what I mean too. What did you? What? How did it you? It wasn't get my idea. I was not interested in comedy at all. Really? Yeah, and I was very depressed at one point. I was having a midlife crisis, which I know it's hard to believe because I'm very young. But I was having this midlife crisis, and I couldn't even go to work, and I was a temp, so I wasn't getting paid. Oh no! Just so depressed. I was talking to a friend, but apparently this is unaware. I was like, oh, cry my eyes out. But I kept cracking jokes at the same time. I didn't realise I was doing this. And she went, you should do stand up. I was like, you know, she really should do stand up, and because um, I kept cracking all these jokes, and uh, she made me go to this course on at the Actors Centre. It's like two-day course, something. And I was definitely the best there, but that's not saying much because everyone was dreadful. There was yeah. also a German woman. Oh, wow. Really uh, pedantic, and it's very hard to believe, bossy German woman, <laughs> who then did a joke, but it was a pun based on... You had to speak fluent German in order to get the pun. So, like, it... 
I mean, I, I understood it still wasn't funny, but it was like, I understood it was like, no, but you've got to speak, it was like, because like the pun didn't yeah, work in English. Work you... It was like, doesn't translate, doesn't, and I knew what she was trying to say, I was like, no, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, didn't, Aww. so it was very funny. So I was like, oh. and I did my first performance and I got laughter in the first show and I was like, well, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I did my second gig at the Comedy Cafe. Only I got it because it, the football was on and so nobody was wanting to do the, England was in, I think, at that point, nobody was <laughs> wanting to do it. And, um, and I died on my ass. I mean, badly. And I was like, I'm not going to give up. And a friend was there and she was out oh, ridiculous. So that was how I started stand-up. Right. But it, I didn't see it as a career. I just did it because I got basically told by somebody to do it. And then enjoyed the kick from the laughs. Yeah. How and old the... were you in this midlife process? <clears throat> well, you don't have to say when it well, was. Just I, like, I was old? older then than I claim to be now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just interested whether I've already been through my midlife crisis or whether I've got it how long you're going to live, but you never know, do you? So, and then I started doing it, but I didn't really take it seriously. And then I started, um, got made redundant not long after I started stand-up. Uh, I could work from home, which is godsend. I don't know, because I think people who work nine to five and then try and build a comedy career, it's a nightmare. Yeah. So mm. I was actually writing up 19th century French letters for the Catholic Church. That was true. That That's is crazy. Yeah. Hilarious. I'm Church of Scotland. It was so it was very it was a very weird scenario. I never thought I'd be doing that. And um, and then I was translating for a French company, so I could do that while I and then I got more and more work. Cool. And that's how I built up my career. Amazing. Wow. And now I live off comedy. And you do acting as well. Or? Yes. I, did you did you see the clip? I, I was in a f short film pastry where I eat a lot of cake and become a lesbian. No way. <laughs> I think it's your I calling. Think, I think the universe is trying to tell yeah. me something. Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, stop so, wasting time. Stop wasting time. It's just hilarious. So I've started. Yeah, that was that was good. I enjoyed doing that actually. When was this? Uh, it was a couple of years back. It was a director who auditioned me about 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. Never gave me a part and thought I will use it for something. And then 14 years later, I got the role as a. Oh wow! That so basically never lose your hope if you get one. I know. Do you, you know why? Apparently, the reason one of the reasons was because when he, he didn't. Book who get me given the part? I wrote him a card which I don't remember doing, saying, "Oh, don't worry about it, you know, whatever." And I wrote him a really nice card. Doesn't sound like me at all. But anyway, he remembered that, and I got a role. Fourteen years, fourteen years later. Oh, also writing. So I've written my first. I've got some short stories out. Right. Do you have a book? Where... Yeah, the first one's called Vienna. Vienna, amazing. Short story. Can we get but, um, that on Amazon? Amazon, or? yeah, I'm afraid, yeah, it's Amazon. <laughs> it's all the way to lead to yeah. Amazon. It's self-publishing. It's really easy <laughs> yeah. to do on Amazon. But yeah. the first one's a, a Vienna about unrequited love. Oh, amazing. Not based, based on... on... <laughs> <coughs> anyway, just my pure imagination. <laughs> pure, I don't know how I got it. And then another story is about uh, the joys, she's being sarky, about being a middle-aged woman. And the third one is The Void. You it's called The Void. The short stories are called The Void. The Void you feel when uh, you perform, which you probably all know about. Is that, don't you find that? Even, that, even after good gigs, you can feel a real void afterwards. I don't even know what the void is, actually. Like an emptiness. Lehrer, die Lehrer. Ah, oh, oh, well. <laughs> Sometimes I, I just so like... So it's good to you speak <laughs> languages. <laughs> yeah, it's helpful. Could you want to do that in German? I'm saying, yeah, I speak German. Uh, what is it? No. You know, die Lehrer, that's man fühlt, no? Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes I sometimes I definitely have a high and then I feel the void. Yeah, that you feel a void. Yeah. Like I think that. that comes well you you perform as well, I think that yeah. you know that can, I think that's part yeah, of parcel yeah, performing. If you have a high and then and so, yeah. I think with stand up because you, you know it's a power thing because you've got you, you can be if you've stormed it you've got everybody thinks you're great. You know, mm. you control you can control the room with a like a putting your eyebrow up or you know, just a noddy you know, you, you can really control what's going on. And everyone thinks you're great. And then half an hour later, nobody even remembers who you are. Do you know what I mean? You've, mm. 
they're like, oh, you're brilliant, you're brilliant. And half an hour later, they're like, who was that? Do you know what I mean? You just, you just Venice. part of their evening yeah, and, and it's all gone. Yeah. And it's very, I think with comedy, with music, you can record it and you can keep it. I know with comedy, even if you record it, it's not the same as a live performance. No. Yeah. But yeah. even like with music, I think there is obviously as a performer, there is a difference between performing. But I'm not sure if it's the same. I'm not. I think I, if I have a good gig, then I think I'm, pro- I'm usually quite high for a bit after it, aren't I? I think I don't get that same. Because maybe it's just a different also, type of thing. It's like not so much also, a control, but it's more of a feeling. But also with comedy, you never know how it's going to go. Yeah. Well, so no matter how. Generally with music, I think you know if you if you go to a no no because especially I do live looping and stuff that can go horribly. I've no idea what live looping. Or like you literally record yourself live and then you put things over the top. But even just any gig, I think you know you can have tech go wrong. But generally, if you like, I think you know, say you're a soul band and you do you're going to a soul event, the people will like soul. Yeah, that's sort of level of thing. If you but for a comedian, you know, and you can you can have a great gig the night before, and the next night you can just people just looking at you think, why is she up there? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it is weird. And obviously, the more experienced you are, the more you can deal with it. But there's always a gig with your name on it. Yeah. But I think that is, that is true for music too. I think, yeah, mm. you're right. If it's a soul band and they're playing, and if there's a very specific... But like for a singer-songwriter or something, you know, especially at the sort of early stages with the those types of gigs, it's, it's it can be hit yeah, too, I just think, depending on the audience, depending on the type of venue. I mean, yeah, but least, you know, the things with comedy, you know, if, if people don't laugh... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you need, you need audience. <laughs> that's true. Because, you know, for example, at Pizza Express, there was this... Guitar- oh, guitar- you name-dropper. <laughs> <laughs> Get well, you in your gigs at the Pizza well, Express. I gig and- no, I she didn't- just stood up at the table. It was awful. <laughs> I'm like, Alice, sit down. She's like, and I'm from Austria, and I'm a comedian. I'm like, no. <laughs> so just not now. Pizza. Let's not just now. eat the pizza. Just sit back. Sorry, carry no, on. No, but the there, I didn't perform. I didn't stand on the table. This yeah. was no, but there was a guitarist who played songs, and mm. he was singing. Um, but the thing is... There was nobody there, and then people eat and talk, so people chat away. Kind of ignore and him. Then, exactly, and then he's done, and then everyone, oh shit, we have to clap, and then everyone claps. But it kind of works. It's probably not pleasant for him either. It's not as bad. But it's not as bad. Not. Because mm. as a comedian, and I've done gigs where I was at parties, and people wanted everything but watching comedy. Yeah, 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 we've yeah. all done those. So it's always it's, a bad idea. Yeah, if you're yeah. having a party, don't book a comic. Yeah. yeah. Worst move. Worst move ever. <laughs> How are we okay. doing for time? Do we get yeah, plenty of time? Yeah. Oh, I just pulled a muscle. Oh, how can you pull a muscle sitting down? <laughs> well, Anyways, that's how fit I am. You were laughing. So, I could see the laughing might. Uh... How how often do you do this show? Because you have like the show in Birmingham, the show in okay, London. Okay, so yeah, London is the first Thursday of every month. Um, okay. Um, apart from January when it's the second Thursday because <laughs> it's just like it's pointless, absolutely pointless. <laughs> and then um, Birmingham is about once every two months, but the dates change a bit mm-hmm. because of. Um, Various reasons because I have I run some nights for different festivals, but yeah, once every two months. Okay. And it's all on my comedy. My com- moreandyounger.com. Moreandyounger.com. And the venues there's Retro Bar and, and Kitchen Garden Cafe, which you've performed yeah, I've been in. Yeah, lovely. Very lovely, lovely. gig. Is it nice? I should try them up later. Yeah, it's very nice. And also, you'd love this. I've written a novel. Um, wow, which is, um, so productive. It's very uh, yeah. Well, it's influenced by a lot because I read a lot of Wolf Haas, who's an Austrian author who I love. So it's turned out to be an absurdist anti-romantic love story come detective mystery novel. Wow, that's <laughs> amazing. Not something I would normally write or I think I would write. Well, but obviously I've written, yes, yeah, true. Good up. point. <laughs> but it's I think I've, written, I've read so much of Wolf Haas. I just, I've written this really absurd... Do you write in German or in English? Oh no, it's, all, it's, God, it's in English. So um, is, that, is that published now or is it something no, that's in the pipeline? No, a friend is actually sub-editing it Oh wow, at the moment, sounds exciting. Which is brilliant. So she's such a good sub-editor. But it's quite depressing because I think I'm quite a good writer. And then you get somebody who can really sub-edit and you're like, 
Okay, I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> but I think everyone, even the best writer in the world, an editor comes and completely hacks up whatever they've done, don't they? I think yeah, I suppose. I mean, do you write, have you written any books or...? I did. You wrote the script, didn't you? I, I, script. Yeah, I did co-wrote the fi feature film script and I wrote the sitcom and um, then I wrote the book, actually a really, really sad book. And that That's was, the Austrian. There were, yeah, it was <laughs> 10 years ago Austrian. or something. Depressed Austrian. Yeah, and it sounds was, so dark, it's awful. It was, That's very yeah. Austrian. Dark. It was really dark. I gave it my mom to, to read it and to give me, to correct it and stuff before I sent it to the publisher. And she was down for like three days. She's like, how can you write something like that? So I thought, really, was it so bad? And then I sent it uh, to to seven publishers or something. I think I got the rejection by 11 publishers. <laughs> That's <laughs> quite impressive. Yeah. The letters just kept in. I'm just like, hold on a second. I didn't send it to so many. What well, you, you know, obviously, I mean, but Amazon is, as you want to self-publish, it is actually a really good way of, of yeah. doing it. Yeah. At the moment, I think maybe I then took a bit of distance because I thought maybe I don't write something where people have to feel bad like for days after they read it you know maybe I, I have to yeah something about that it's not ideal is <laughs> it feeling down will be pushed over the edge that's a marketing ploy suicidal isn't it? suicidal, suicidal. Yeah. this book will help you get there suicidal but on the fence Promise. I mean but you know what I mean I I the review before you uh, read it yeah, yeah. I read I wrote my novel thought it was I thought well, it's very good and then I uh, I didn't read it for a year and it's only when I read it for a year I realised how many bad bits of English was in there like, there was lots of courses and so's and and it's I think sometimes you do need distance because yeah, then you go yeah. back and go actually because you don't I don't think you, when you read it again you, so soon you don't actually read what's there you read yeah, what you yeah, think is there. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times when you read your brain anyway, even just a normal thing like for example a word, I think they can mash up the middle words, but as long oh, as really? the beginning and the end's okay, you will read the right word. Yeah. So, and that's you know that's anyway. But you if know it's something yeah. you've written, you just probably skip over. Because because when I, I I worked in a, as a PA in France, even though I couldn't speak French or Thai, it was hilarious. <laughs> And I did realise that because, you know, the woman who'd write and I couldn't read. Because sometimes you read people's writing, you don't actually read the words. You know, you know, you know the bit. You, so you kind of know, you kind of guess some of it. Like with German, because the verb comes at the end, you know what the verb is once, but even before you turn over the page. Yeah. Because you know from, the, from what else has been written before. Mm, so I think that's, that's, that's probably true. Yeah, definitely. So before we finish, what are the future projects? What is well, I'm doing an Edinburgh show. Oh, lovely. Called Out of Sync. Nice. Um, a very vague title which most people write when they have a show that they haven't written yet but they've got to put the title in <laughs> you find a lot of comics do that oh that's a very vague title why is that one because I haven't written the show yet so that's going to be on in Edinburgh oh that's my agent calling no, <laughs> <we're going. laughs> um, so I've got that I'm trying to think I'm going to do, obviously I do blogs and a podcast with John John Jen Brister or John Brister she's known to me Jen Brister we do a lot of vlogs and podcasts where basically I think Jen just takes the piss out of me. That's, that's basically the, the plan. She does it very well. She just goes on a rant about something I've done the week before. Um, so, yeah, and there's some other stuff in the pipeline that she can't say. Oh, yeah. oh exciting. Nice. So people need so to follow you on your website. Yeah, it's, and, and so more and younger, and it's my, more and younger on... It's Facebook. very Twitter, Facebook, Mailing Instagram. Yeah, you can Mailing do that. Oh, God, our YouTube yeah. are very good. Um, yeah, if you go on my front page of moreandyounger.com, there's somewhere you can hit that goes mailing list. Perfect. And come to our shows. Yeah. Yes, come to our show. support the women com comedians. Yes, first Thursday of the month. You, well, you two are very good. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was brilliant. And we're looking forward to the show now. Okay, servus. As I say in Austria. Thank you very much for listening. This was us for our summer special. I very much hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, please like the podcast below. 
and share and subscribe and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, I yes. believe. <laughs> Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Not on Instagram yet. Okay, well, we'll see you uh, very soon. So when's the next live show, Alice? Yeah, we should go on Instagram, actually, because we could take crazy photos with us now being under a tower oh, recording a towel. this podcast. It's really, really hot. We're in Austria. I'm sweating so much with Maureen Younger we were in a in the retro bar so she was not under the tower with us right now as you can hear probably <laughs> I think she maybe would like to be under the tower with us right now I think she would yeah, another she calling like <laughs> <laughs> she likes Austria so and I think she'd like towels most people like towels <laughs> okay so we will be back in uh, a month mm, yeah. with our regular podcast with our live show and uh, other female comedians so have a great time and see you soon. Goodbye. Bye.